If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Colossians. We're going to read chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And as you turn there, I want to say the most important thing that I will do today is at 1.30 this afternoon where I'm baptizing Kingston Sinclair in the pool of Tom and Julie Brown at their home. This is a student who's in our EDGE ministry, fifth grade ministry here at Marvin, and he has responded to God's grace, and he's already done that, but in this baptism, he's identifying with Christ in his death and resurrection, and that is the gospel at work in this young man. That's how he is defined and identified, and I wanted you to share that good news with you because that's more important than anything else I'll do today. And so if you have Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, follow along as I read. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. This is from the NIV. Paul is writing the church at Colossae, and it begins in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And before we pray, I think that Kingston's decision and his baptism deserves a better celebrational, celebratory, yes. Woo! So we give thanks to God for that. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We recognize your presence here in this place, and we're so grateful that you are. God, we're so grateful that you're near, and we invite you to Move among us now as we continue in your word and as we close out this time together with song. Pray that you would move among us, move within us, and move us to respond to everything that you are blessing, to everything that you are doing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Pray that with me. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I got a good friend named Bob, Bob Bandy, God rest his soul. About a year ago, he fell and he broke his shoulder, broke his arm, and it took a, a number of weeks for him to heal and to get well. Bob is 82 years old at the time of his death. He moved very slowly, doesn't own a car, very dependent on other people, and that's an understatement, very dependent on other people. I got a friend, another friend named Susie, who I enlisted into Team Bob, and she helped get him to the doctor 
as he was recovering from this broken bone because he needed a ride and he needed a nurse, someone to be there with him just to make sure he's doing the things he needs to do and ask the right questions. So she arrived at Bob's house to pick him up. It's one morning during his recovery and Bob was not ready to go. And so she knocks and she goes on in and she goes to his room and Bob is still in bed. He's fine. He's just not ready, just not dressed. And show, she helped him with his sling off, helped him put his shirt on, helped him put the sling back on. And then you know what's coming. She helped him put his pants on. Did I tell you I'm the one who signed her up for this? <laughs> but she's comfortable with that because she's a nurse and she helped him get his shoes on. Now we might say that Bob put on his clothes that morning but Susie helped him get dressed. This morning, we continue in a series from the book of Colossians. And this was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison to a church that he did not plant, a people that he had never met. And his main reason for writing this letter to the church at Colossae, we've heard it again, repetition is the best way to learn and remember. And so you could probably say, his main reason for writing this letter was to articulate a robust Christology that shaped and formed right belief and faith and practice. And so I want us to continue on in this review so we know where we've come from as we embark on where we're going. Paul established two things early on in this letter. First is who Jesus is, and the second is where Jesus is. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things. You understand all. All of his fullness dwelt in him. And he reconciled all things to himself through his death and resurrection. That's who Jesus is. So where is Jesus? We've said repeatedly, Christ is in you. And it's not simply that Christ's presence is available to those who claim his name, but rather in a, a much more realistic and true way of saying it, those who've been baptized into Christ Jesus, like Kingston Sinclair will be today, they are marked by his presence, period, end of story. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you if you believe. That is the nature and reality of the church, marked by God's spirit, God's presence in us. Christ in you, Christ in us, that's where Jesus is. And then we started to get practical with set your hearts and your minds on things above, on Christ. And we made the distinction between the gospel of sin management and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sin management is what most of us grew up on. Believe and behave. And we're talking behavior modification. Get your act together. And don't get me wrong, belief is central. It's critical to who we are. It's the first step in a journey of a thousand miles. But what you believe is not what you say you believe. It's what you do. 
And a better way of saying that is, it's how you live your life, which is so much more than behavior. The actual movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not believe and behave. Maybe it starts out there for most of us, but the movement is behold and become. And our becoming actually works by displacement. It's not get your act together and Jesus will show up. He shows up. God is in you. God is with you. And if you've started that journey with a single step, the power of God is moving in your life, not replacing sin. It is displacing sin. And so, Lord, shine a light. Enter in and invade every nook and cranny, every place where darkness hides out, and drive it out. Drive it away. That's what grace is. It's what grace does. It displaces sin. But we're caught in a trap that says, girl, you got to do something in order for God to show up. Or, boy, you got to do something which leads to failure and guilt and shame and disconnect and division and destruction. So the alternative to believe and behave or the movement from believe and behave is to behold and become. And that's what Christ has invited us into. And this morning, we're talking about the effect of that reality, beholding Christ and becoming like him, which is a work of grace. It is the goal of our sanctification that we may be consumed by Christ, saved to the uttermost, not just a little bit, but in full, in whole. And Paul makes two points in these six verses that we just read, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, that help us understand the effect of beholding him and becoming like him. The first he says in verse 12, put on all of these virtues. And then in verse 15, Paul wrote, let all of these things be happening within you. Put on all these virtues. Let all these things be at work, be happening in you. So I want you to repeat after me. Put on. Put on. Let all. There you go. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> Just kidding. First, let's look at put on. Just a couple verses up from what we read, Colossians 3, 9 and 10, Paul made the case that we have taken off the old self and have put on the new. We've put on Christ. And now he's saying, since you've put on the new man, put on the new clothes as well. Show yourself to be clothed in him. And where it says, put on, and every participle that follows and modifies that verb, those words, all of them are plural in number in the original Greek language. These are things that we corporately are to be about. It's like a snapshot of the body of Christ at any given moment in time. You want to know what the church looks like? It looks like these virtues. These are things that we corporately are to be about. And it implies the subject of the verb, which is the church, is being affected by its own action. So as we put on these virtues and live them out, 
It's affecting the whole of the greater good for the greater good. It's from that place of understanding that Paul commands us to put all these virtues on. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Put up with one another. If someone behind you is singing out a key, that's all right, they're making a joyful noise. Forgive one another. If someone's done you wrong, be the bigger person, just like the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which is the overarching principle that binds all of these virtues together. Paul is talking about how we, within the body of Christ, we, the church, relate to one another within these walls. Put on all of these virtues, and then, what's the second point? Let all, Let all of these things be happening within you. In Hollywood, there's a thing called method acting, and it's also true of theater at any level, where an actor gets into the character they are portraying, and after studying that role and giving themselves as a part of their preparation, they never break from that character. And so Daniel Day-Lewis, when he was preparing to play Abraham Lincoln, he was Abraham Lincoln, on set, off set, in all of his waking hours. Same with Heath Ledger in 2008, as he was preparing for the role of the Joker for the movie The Dark Knight, the latest at the time of the Batman franchise. He was in character at all times in an attempt to get into the Joker's mind. And so Heath Ledger's diary contained manic musings and depicted hyenas, clowns, cartoon characters. He isolated himself for six weeks and journaled and wrote as if he were the Joker. And on top of all this, he fully immersed himself into who the Joker was by reading comic books, watching other portrayals of this character, working with makeup and costume artists. Heath Ledger is widely acclaimed as the greatest Joker of all time, and it might have been to his own demise because he died before that film was even released. Posthumously, he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He was the Joker. In method acting, the actor becomes the part, but what we are talking about this morning is the part becoming you. Method actors get into the spirit of their character, but Christians, we are filled with the spirit of our character. His name is Jesus. Method acting is believe and behave. The gospel is behold and become. And the thing about let all is this. It is singular in number in the original language, which does not mean it is an individual thing of my own doing to let all these things be happening in me. Let all is being done to me. It is being done in us, to us, by the subject of the verb, which is in this case, Jesus Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in you, 
plural. Let the words of Christ dwell richly in you all. And Paul's point is this is a work of grace, period, end of story, being done in us by the one who dwells within us. The resulting effect of our being in Christ and really of Christ being in us, it is his peace ruling, his word dwelling. The idea behind these two things, Jesus Christ is doing that work inside of us. And both of those things are very synonymous with another letter Paul wrote, Church of Ephesus, Ephesians 5.18, he wrote to them, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what that means is be being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continuous work that is going on in us, not on us to accomplish apart from putting ourselves in position to receive and experience more and more and more of Jesus Christ. Let all of these things be happening within you. The peace of Christ ruling, the word of Christ dwelling richly, those things reflect exactly where we've come from over the course of this past month. Christ in you, Christ in us. And so repeat after me. Put on, Put on. let all. Let all. That's how the gospel works. As we behold Jesus Christ, we start to become like him. We put on, and all of these things begin to work in us. Church, we are God's chosen people. He took the initiative to pursue us. That's been consistent throughout the whole of God's story. Way back in Genesis, God took initiative with Abram. And he responded and went with God, and the rest was grace. The rest was a covenant people that we are a part of. Abram responded to that invitation. We are chosen in so much as we respond to God's initiative. We are reserved for God, made holy, separated unto God for his work and to his service in this world, which is accomplished by God in and through us. We are dearly loved by God, dearly loved. And he is the implied actor in this story who is pursuing us out of deep love for us because he created us in his image to be in relationship with him and with each other. It's called the church. We are clothed in Christ complete with all these virtues that we embody. But as much as we put on these virtues, Christ is the one who is dressing us in something new, something fresh, something beautiful. We are simply cooperating with grace. So as we draw this morning to a close, maybe you've responded to God's grace. And maybe there are clothes to put on. You've put on Christ but the clothes are just laying there by the bed. And it's on us to respond to that grace. And maybe it's even truer to say, to let Christ help us get dressed. We have to position ourselves. And he will do the work in us. He will help us wear and embody all of these virtues
And if we're just laying in the bed and the clothes are there and we're not taking much initiative to position ourselves, it's almost like we're just method acting, trying to play a part, check a box and do church like the rest of the culture does church. And it doesn't really invade much of who we are at all. And as a pastor, I wanna apologize for perpetuating dysfunction and making it about numbers, whether membership or worship attendance or getting people to check a box because I've checked a box there and uh, myself and we've made church a spectator sport and created consumers. And there is so much more that God has in store for us and I want us to go there together. I want to put on Christ and put on the clothes and I want that to be done in the context of this community. And so Jesus, help us get dressed that we might thrive and know life in the midst of life. And I want you to know this gathering is so essential to experiencing that being dressed and embodying and sharing those virtues with one another. Consider the uniqueness and the diversity that's in the room. It's the perfect opportunity for us to trot these virtues out because we're wearing them. Compassion, kindness, all done in the context of humility, overarching love, being what binds it all together. And so we check our preferences at the door and we check in with one another on our way in and out of worship. We are intentional to see people and we give ourselves to life within the body beyond this time, whether it's Bible study, Sunday school, even better, class meeting, band meeting. But the corporate gathering and life within the body of Christ, it is essential, so let's get dressed and put these virtues on and trot them out and try them on and off of each other. If Paul was talking to the body of Christ, and he was, about how we relate to one another, and he was, then we've gotta position ourselves in proximity to God and to one another when we gather on Sundays and when we scatter into the world. God has wired us for community, and so what we're doing here is so essential. And then maybe you put on Christ, but you're still in bed waiting on something. And I want you to know, you're not alone. Christ is with you even better. Christ is in you. And if we are the body, we experience that in and from one another. And it's on the Lord to dress us, yes, but sometimes it's on the body, like Susie, to help Bob Bandy get dressed. And sometimes we need each other as well. And so if you struggle or wrestle and are frustrated because you've hit a wall or you don't see transformation or you don't see these virtues in your life, give yourself grace because we've been through a pandemic and we've been through the stress of denominational strife and we've been through, or we live in a country where there's so much polarization Let's give ourselves some grace and let's be the body towards one another and help each other, remind each other who we are in Christ. Putting all these virtues on, bound together by love 
And really, it's Christ who's doing the work in us to change us from the inside out. So church, as we put on Christ, and as his presence invades every bit of who I am, but it's truer said of who we are, as he invades our community and drives all that's dark away, let's cooperate with grace. Let's position ourselves. Let's respond to his initiative. And I pray that God wakes us up and helps us to see the vision of who we are and who he's calling us to be. And I pray that we go with him as we walk into that reality. I'm excited about where he's leading us. And I want to pray into it right here, right now. So will you join me? Lord, we love you and we trust you and we celebrate your presence with us. God, we're so grateful. We long for more of you. And so please do a work in us. Heavenly Father, wake us up, snap us back to reality, the reality that is the body of Christ and help us to embody the virtues as your presence dwells richly within us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, amen.